Welcome into the Fairweather Podcast, where we discuss all things San Diego Loyal Soccer Club. The Fairweather Podcast is brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network and sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. <laughs> Hi! Why are you How's new? it going? Good. How are you? Uh, doing all right. Doing all right. Uh, again, it is living in San Diego without an AC. So, um, <laughs> we are getting creative. Uh, we bought like a little, one of those, uh, little mini coolers where you pour ice in the top and it's got a little fan. So nice. Uh, we're trying to make it work, but, uh, things are going all right anyway. Um, <laughs> how are you doing today? I'm warm. Um, I was just on another podcast. I don't know if you saw us, but we were doing the Western Conference Women, and I have a drink. It's Ooh. not water. Ooh. So, yeah, it's uh, this Fugu vodka from, uh, you know, the Cutwater people. Mm-hmm, Shout out mm-hmm. to Cutwater. It's good. It's cucumber vodka soda. So oh yeah, yeah. I have um, two fans, one here, one up there. I'm like, yeah, I did a wardrobe change. I'm set, and I'm so excited because we're top of the table again. Right, still, still top of the table. <laughs> yes. Um, you know how that is, right, Alan? Yes. You know how that yes. goes. <laughs> yeah, at least for a few more. At least for 24 more hours, um, right? <laughs> and we'll talk about what's happening tomorrow a little bit later um a couple things happened this week yes Um, good and i mean maybe not great for san diego loyal but uh good for women's soccer and good for the advancement of women coaches um we heard literally right before game time that carrie taylor left uh Mm -hmm. the team uh but there was a phenomenal athletic article if you haven't seen it yet uh kind of laying out Mm-hmm. Yeah, laying it out what she's planning on doing. Uh, so I have quickly become a um, reggae girls, I think is their nickname, uh, fan, the Jamaican women's national team. Um, there's a great connection between USL and the Jamaican men's national team. So now there's even bigger connection to that Jamaican national team. So I am rooting for the reggae girls now. Um, In addition to our women, right? Right. I mean, yes, yes of course. I mean, yes. I got the four stars on my, right. on my crest. Uh, I, I went out and bought that kit right away. Um, <laughs> how, how did you feel about that news reading through the athletic article and knowing what Carrie Taylor stands for? Yeah. I mean, at first I was like, you know, when I, when I heard the news, I'm like, Hmm, could this be, a new team? Could this be completely out of soccer? I mean, there's so many opportunities, I think, out there. Um, the one thing that really stood out to me in the article was using the time, the COVID time, to really kind of think about what she's doing. What's her purpose? Like, that really stood out to me. Like, what what are you doing in, you know, and, and I think she was a really good, and I mentioned this on the, the last show, that I think she was really good, you know, to be there in the spotlight of the men's game. But as far as I understood her before, it was always about the women's game and pushing the women's game and being able to, you know, be a a force in that. So I think it's awesome that she has this opportunity to be able to 
move from USL into, you know, coaching the Jamaican women's team. Um, and I think she'll always have a tie here just because I'm sure she's still going to live here. And, you know, Carrie, I know we have to catch up. So I feel like I'm talking to you through the podcast. Um, but yeah, I think it's, you know, super awesome to have her uh, be able to get this opportunity and then um, get do that other thing that she mentioned, which is the organization called Women in Soccer, which is still so vague. Don't know what it is, um, but that's exciting, I think. Um, that's where I'm at with it. What are you, how are you at? Um, I think anything that Carrie Taylor is involved in is going to be well run and successful. Um, Mm -hmm. she has always been grateful with her time. Um, (laughs) and when I first met her at RIP council brewing with DK, um, I, it was the first time I met her and got a chance to talk with her and it was immediate that, you know, she was engaging, uh, she was a, a phenomenal human, uh, but also uh, someone who cares deeply about uh, the community that she's involved in, whether that's the grander community of women's soccer, mm-hmm. uh, the San Diego community. And um, we wish her all of the best. Um, I know you've reached out to her. I've reached out to her. Um, and uh, now officially on the podcast, uh, we do wish her the best and we mm-hmm. will be rooting for her. Uh, she'll always be a team one member. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. And, um, just to like, if you're listening and you haven't seen the website, um, it's called women in soccer.org. So you can sign up for their newsletter and really kind of get, you know, it's still, you know, they, they did their mission. We don't know what this is, what it, what it will be. Um, you know, whether it's just a, a resource for all of us or some type of, leading towards maybe an NWSL team or something. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. So I'm excited. Uh, Some other big news happening uh, with San Diego Loyal is uh, the announcement of the Midway District, uh, the revitalization of the Midway District, um, and the remodeling, refurbishing of the Grand Ole Arena. Uh, and but the biggest news for us is definitely that there is a proposal for a temporary soccer stadium, a modular stock soccer stadium. Mm-hmm. Um, I was on a phone call uh, earlier today uh, with the team putting together that bid. Um, I have a bunch of information um, and we're going to talk about it at the end of the podcast to kind of tease. But next week we are going to bring in DK and Iwo. Um, he is on the Midway planning uh commission i guess yeah and so he's going to fill us in just when you thought you were going to get done with stadium talk we're back again uh we already have rending rendering so the rendies are good to go yes Um, but we're excited to bring him in next week so we're going to postpone that kind of talk uh until we get him in so we can have a little bit more in-depth uh discussion about kind of the broader picture what it's going to look like, what the process is. But I know comments are going on right now. You can tell the city council which one you prefer. Mm -hmm. And that vote, I believe, ends the 20th. So if you're interested in putting in your input for uh, which plan you prefer or any questions regarding either of those plans, because there's two that were put forward, do that before next Monday. Um, Right. And then we'll talk about what the process is going from there. Ooh, my favorite, as, my right, favorite discussion. Yay! Uh, but it's a 
yeah, it's important to understand the process. I know what your role as a soccer fan, what your role as a San Diegan is. Um, It's important that there is a cross intersection of politics and soccer. Mm -hmm. Um, Anytime you have, when you're talking about building stadiums. So uh, some pretty exciting um, news regarding that. I know that (laughs) you don't seem too thrilled about the politics. Landon Donovan wasn't on the phone call either. Because Warren, Warren promised him there wouldn't be competing ballot measures ever again. And here we are a year later. Yeah, um, I'm sure we'll get into that next episode. But um, I've been involved with Stadium Talk since 2015. So, <laughs> so this is, you know, it's not something I like to talk about on Twitter because I know it's so intertwined. It's not a matter of, okay, let's make it what it should be and i i don't know if you saw an exchange with someone else you know like oh you should make it to nba or nhl standards and i'm like oh my god like i don't want to talk about this again so right we'll do Um, that next week let's save that for next week or at the end of the show week and for my understanding if something goes to the ballot you'll choose yes or no not between a couple different bids so it'll be a little bit different process um the other news um is that I'm not sure if we talked about Ben Spencer last podcast. No. Uh, that was kind of a last minute addition. Ben Spencer as uh, mm-hmm. a new signing. You saw him play uh, kind of at the last bit of sun- uh, Saturday's match. He was yes. the tall drink of water that took the ball to the corner <laughs> to kill off some time right there at the begin- right there at the end. Um, he, I think he was a name that was around from the beginning of the season, and then I think there was a reason that it didn't work out. Uh, but he is officially signed with the club. Um, he's a, I think, six-five attacking uh, forward. Uh, yes. Just another another key piece to pull off the bench because um, these games are coming hot and heavy. And then uh, during the match, uh, the announcers um, announced that we have a new player. Apparently, Irvin Pereira apparently yes. is playing for the team. Um, <laughs> it's weird. He looked exactly like Irvin Para. Um, <laughs> Uh, apparently, it's like a twin with a different last name. We'll have to um, dig into our sources regarding who Irvin Pereira is. Yes. Uh, but uh, that is... <laughs> uh, welcome to the USL, folks. Uh, a lot of the times, these are announcers who get stuff right ahead of time. They ignore pronunciations, um, uh, pronunciation guides. There's a it's a hot mess sometimes in the USL because it is not a consistent group of people calling games every week. It's you know each team has a little bit different shenanigans going on, mm-hmm. and some of them are better than others. And I'm sure some of you, if you've been watching this weekend, have realized um, that it's definitely different. Um, it's definitely inconsistent, but. Yeah, I, I got to watch the um, the CW feed. So local TV had a little bit of a different feed. So yeah. we didn't have Irvin Pereira. We had Irvin Para, which is nice. Um, and Devin and Mike were just amazing, enthusiastic. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's weird. Like, I'm like... You know, you guys are commenting on Irvin Pereira, Pereira, oh. Pereira, whatever. <laughs> and I'm like, I hear it fine. Um, yeah. you know, so I got that digital antenna. You know, it's come through for me. Thank God. Mm-hmm. Um, but I might I might need to invest into one of those because one of my pet peeves is 
watching home or watching your home team on an away match with the away uh, commentators and sometimes like Sacramento last year watching with Orange County was some of the worst games being called ever. Uh, mm-hmm. Anytime you can get Mike Watts, Devin Kerr, Tyler Terrens, anytime you get those guys on, you know it's going to be a good call. Um, they might mess up here and there, but they're not going to call you the San Diego Loyals or Loyals. <laughs> call a guy who's been playing pretty successfully in the league for the past couple of years, Irvin Pereira. Um, <laughs> but we'll get we'll get into the officials later. But yeah, um, there's so we just found out like we're supposed to be live on Twitter too, but it's not working. So I think it might be because things have been hacked today. Mm-hmm. So um, it's supposed to be live, but. Yeah, whatever. You know, technical difficulties. I'm gonna tweet out the link so people can watch right now. Yeah, I know I know we are live on YouTube's. I know I checked. Yeah. So if you if you saw us frantically typing into our keyboards and our phones, that's what we're trying to figure <laughs> out is how to get the show to you so you can do your live comments. We really appreciate people stopping in. Uh but I believe we are live on YouTube. Uh, yeah. but yeah, we are. Yeah, yeah it's okay. It happens, right? Right. Uh, so did you watch any other USL this past uh, weekend? No, I didn't. What? Yeah, no, I didn't. I um, decided to go out Saturday and fair. not be in my house and in the fair, heat. Fair. And I know if I, I drank a little bit during the game, the loyal match, and I feel like if I would have hung out at home, I would have drank more. And I didn't want to mm. do that. So... That's fair. That's yeah. fair. Um, I know you did though. So oh, I watched all sorts of USL all this weekend. Yeah. Um, there were some pretty really there were some pretty fun matches. Uh, there were a few games that had worse officiating than we had. Even uh, it's the Colorado Springs versus New Mexico United. Um, the Sacramento Tacoma game was really fun. Three uh, three. The kids came back against Sacramento. I checked out the Phoenix LA match to kind of get ready for group B. That was not surprising at all. It was like a four nil thrashing. Um, Those kids didn't have a chance. Um, What else happened this weekend? That was exciting. Oh, the Louisville match, Louisville uh, Pittsburgh. Um, If you want to see kind of the best of the East, watch Indianapolis. Uh, If you can with the football lines, they're terrible, but um, maybe catch them on the road. Uh, But Historically, Bob Lilly with the Pittsburgh um, Pittsburgh Riverhounds um, and um, Louisville City are kind of the top two in the East, and they played each other in Louisville's brand new, beautiful stadium, uh, filled with almost five thousand fans. Unfortunately, um, but if you have a chance to check out that match, you'll see a really high quality USL match, especially Pittsburgh. They played amazing. High they play. Very crisp, uh, very fast-paced. Um, usually they're very defensive, Bob Lilly's teams, but they scored three goals in like 10 minutes on either side of the half. Uh, so if you're looking at um, East Coast teams, I recommend going back and watch that Louisville City-Pittsburgh match. Oh, Brew. Brew. Agrees. Yes, Brew thank you, agrees. Brew. Thank you, Brew. I appreciate that, Brew. Um yeah, I think um, I'll be able to watch a little bit more this week and um, really just dive in. I think I've been uh, looking forward to watching Loyal so much that I was just like, okay, I got my fix. Now I'm ready for more, you know? 
So yeah, it was easy being that one p.m. match, and then there's kind of a lull, and so it's really easy just to like get busy and then forget. Um, mm-hmm. There is a really really big match tomorrow night, and that is yes. uh, Phoenix playing Orange County in Orange County. Uh, this is this is big, not <laughs> only because this is in group, uh, but the competition between those two teams um, is going to be pretty fierce, I believe, um, over the course of the season between uh, if Phoenix can get the top group. Uh, but I just recently saw a tweet uh, from our friend Dylan over at Orange and Black <laughs> Soccer Cast. Um, the that, elusive Dylan. Yes, the elusive Dylan. Mm-hmm. Um Kevin Alston, a defender, um, Thomas Edavoltson, one of their uh, key signings, um, and Chandler Hoffman, uh, who they just got loaned from Birmingham, will not be playing on Thursday night, uh, which makes it even harder for Orange County. Uh, they still have some weapons. Uh, they still have Shauna Coley. They still have Darwin Jones. Uh, still have Aiden Quinn, San Diego's Aiden Quinn. Um but that's going to be a match to check out because uh, you're going to learn a lot about those two teams from this match. And because mm-hmm. they're in group, these are the two teams. We're going to have to get by Maybe. one of these two teams to get to the playoffs for sure. Right. And Phoenix, if they win, they're above us, right? Yeah, Phoenix will go to nine points, so we will not be top of the table anymore. Um, but that's fine. We've been top of the table since, what, like March? Four months. I, you know, that's a pretty good run for yeah. a, a brand-new <laughs> franchise. Right. Um, <laughs> And, you know, it's one of those, like, do you root for Phoenix because you know they're probably going to win Group B and then they take all nine points from Orange County? Or do you hope for a one, do you hope for a draw so it's like one point each? This is like, what are you rooting for? Do you just like, hey, let's watch good soccer and what happens happens and then we can control our own destiny. What do you think? I am going to not root for either team. I'm just going to watch and hope for a draw. Um, I don't think I'm used to picking draws. It's not my thing. I like to pick winners. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to watch with uh, neutral eyes. Uh, they're in our group, so I really want to make sure that uh, I can get familiar with all the players and really see how it's going to shake out uh, towards the end of the season, especially towards you know the last couple of games where we're playing Phoenix twice and, and OCSC as well so um yeah looking forward to it um if we if they tie and draw and uh we're still top right or no uh, phoenix up. will probably be top because their goal differential is just right. freaking outrageous right um it was like a four nil five one four nil were their first two games ridiculous um yeah they're they're <laughs> 10 goals scored one goal allowed we have four mm-hmm. goals scored two goals allowed uh so if they draw they'll go to first on goal differential, but even on points, which would be um, absolutely huge. Um, But again, I think with with that one for San Diego loyal, um, I just hope it's a good match. Um, I hope it's competitive because if it's not Phoenix is the one that's going to win. I don't think Orange County is going to blow Phoenix out of the water, Uh, Mm -hmm. but Phoenix has only won once in Orange County. It was a big win in the Western conference finals two years ago. Um, these teams, um, last year they split home and home, win and win. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how well Orange County does uh, versus um, Phoenix. It'll be a good measuring stick for them, and then it'll be a good idea of where we're going to be 
Um, in a couple right. at the end of August, we see them a lot in August and at the end of the year. Right. And so do you have a score prediction? For that one, good. Um, I said 2-2 draw on the Orange and Black Soccer cast. Um, <laughs> so, are you still going? You you well, can retract. You could have well, it's a different I, I podcast. Think, I, well, I, th- I think the issue... I think the issue is with some of the players that I know they're going to be out now. Um, I, I, it's going to be hard for Orange County to pull off a victory, um, but that just makes their next match, the next weekend, even that more exciting. Because I think if Orange County doesn't get a, doesn't get point a point at all, um, whew, uh, they're going to come. They're probably going to come out hot and heavy that next week. Yeah. Um, I think we need to see the points after another week or two before we, yeah. The, 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 the old mantra in USL is wait 10 weeks. And that kind of tells you where the teams are going to be. People are, you know, filling each other out, but at 16 matches, you don't have the luxury of 10 weeks. You have the luxury of maybe like two. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, and think something to keep in mind is orange County might drop all six points but we still play Phoenix three times. So if we drop six points against them for the first two matches, it's, it's square again. Um, so even though it looks good on paper right now, um, we still have to play those games. Yeah. So you're, so you're sticking with the draw. Um, now I know that there's going to be certain players that aren't playing. I, I think Phoenix gets, gets a win on the road in orange County. Um, 3-1, 3-2. There's going to be plenty of goals. Phoenix likes scoring a lot. Um, and the history of Orange County, Phoenix, uh, they might be wanting to put a, a a marker down early to say, we're winning this group. You're mm-hmm. playing for second. What do you okay. think? I, um, I, you know, knowing that some of the OCS, OC players are out, I think, um, you know, that's definitely going to put them at a disadvantage. Um uh, I want to draw, but I know that's probably not realistic. Uh, so I think I'm going to go 3-1. All right. Phoenix. Um, Let's write it. Let's yeah. write it down. So that's what's happening tomorrow. So um, get your picks in on our Twitter uh, feed. We're taking votes right now until tomorrow morning-ish. Uh, so check it out. Put in who you think is going to win. Uh, for the Phoenix match, also for San Diego, but we'll talk about that in a second. Yes. Um, the last thing we're going to cover before we do the recap is uh, just want to congratulate Francis Atawene, Grant Stoneman for making USL's team of the week. Yes. Um, and Tumi Moshibane made the bench. So it's three players involved in the team of the week, which is exactly the same that Phoenix got. Uh, Tumi um was probably recognized for his overall play between the two matches. Um, probably more a little bit heavier on the uh, Real Monarchs game. Uh, I thought he played fairly well. Um, Francis was for sure the Tacoma match, the brace against Tacoma, the game winner. Uh, and then Grant Stoneman for a phenomenal match against Real Monarchs, which we're going to talk about mm-hmm. next. So congratulations to those three players. Yay, Team of the week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think this should be team of the week just for the jerseys. Mm-hmm. Everyone looked, everyone looked great. Um, it looked sharp. Mm-hmm. I felt bad that they're wearing dark colors when it was so hot, but <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're, 
they probably breathe pretty well. I don't know. I don't go running in mine, so I have no idea how well they work uh, yeah. when you are working out because I don't do that. Um, you I'll lift to... your drink up and li- put it back down. That's working out for you. Right, right. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about this Real Monarchs match. Yeah. Um, one not, nil victory. Not to be confused with Real Salt Lake, which we've been saying we were saying <laughs> and I'm, like messed up because it's like it. It's Real Monarchs SLC, so it is Real Monarchs Salt Lake City, and I. It's like, come on, like, why do you got to name your team so close? It's confusing. You guys are jerks. And they um, play in Sandy, Utah, so I'm like, yeah. And this okay. match was at Real Salt Lake's home stadium, so that was even worse. Like, come on, what are you trying to do to us? Um, so San Diego knocks off the reigning USL champion one nil, um, in a very competitive, hard fought match. Um, what did you think went well? The win? I mean, it was awesome. The refs were amazing, too, because they missed all these goals that Real should have scored. Um, I really was happy to see and thank the, I guess, I don't want to say thank COVID, but, like, thank COVID that Joe was able to recover and be able to come back and, and play defense and be that strong, big, force in the back um in the back line um i think that was awesome and that was really like where i'm you know i'm i'm always paying attention to the back line because you know you can have forwards you can have really good attacking plays but if you can't protect your goal then what's what's the big deal right like so i'm always paying attention to that and i think that was one of the highlights for the match um last saturday what about you um, I would have to agree. Um, I thought the back three played well, back four, back five. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, I thought that they, it's hard to win a one nil match on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to fight all 90. Uh, there's a couple moments, uh, one early and a couple throughout the afternoon that were, Maybe a little bit of breakdown here and there that they were able to put some shots on frame. Mm-hmm. Um, There's about 20 minutes in the match. We have no idea. But looking through uh, Sofa score, um, yeah, it seemed like Loyal were controlling a lot of the match. Uh, they had a lot of possession. Uh, that just tells you they had the ball. It doesn't really give you an idea of which team is playing better. They passed around the back a lot, which I think just controlling that possession, making sure they control the pace of the match because when you're at altitude, if Real makes you run around, you're, you know, you might be done. But I thought mm-hmm. they did a really good job of picking and choosing and controlling and not pressing things forward. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think I remember from the first half, the stats were 69% possession for Loyal, which was like, well, one, it's funny. Okay. 69%. It's hilarious. But like, I was like, okay, this is like, you're definitely going to control the match that way. And, and I'm looking at the, the stats. It's 63% was the final ball possession. So they continue to do that in the second half, which we didn't get to see. Uh, but <laughs> I thought the big big stat was shots on target. Um, oh, right. Six, six to one. Six shots on target for Loyal, one. Um, and I think if you look at like some of Irvin Parra's strikes, um, I think he's just going to gain confidence and some of those find their way more toward the corner of the goal and those go in. Um, I thought there was a moment where Colin Martin was going to score and I like almost stood up out of my couch. I'm like, yes, it worked. 
I I think he just maybe took one too many touches and mm-hmm. and allowed the defense to close in. Um, Toomey had a great a great look at goal and just oh. couldn't quite hit the corner. Yeah. Um, uh, Eric Avila had an amazing kind of shot toward the near post and just curled it just wide. So there's like a lot of really like close um, chatting with some people across the USL. I think a lot of people were really impressed with the loyal when they came out uh, Mm -hmm. considering the last time they probably paid attention to him was that Vegas match. And then no one was impressed when you beat Tacoma. Uh, So people are assuming that San Diego is not, what we think they can be, but I think this is closer to what we should be seeing from San Diego. Yeah. Um, that one, that video that Loyal's shared that was um, explaining like how to get the corner, like do the corners. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh my God, this is like exactly what happened. Like, <laughs> it was awesome. I was like, I'm so excited to see what comes of this footage that they've been creating because I know it has to be something. I feel like it should be uh it's really good stuff but yeah that was uh clinical to watch that and then know that that happened in the match it was awesome Um, and jack metcalf last two matches assist in each match um he's proving himself to be quite a good player on both sides of the ball mm -hmm. um i think he's uh, we'll we'll ask for man of the match later, but I think he's definitely in the discussion. Obviously, Grant Stoneman played well, and I'm going to talk about a little bit about what I've noticed from him. Uh, let's talk about what didn't go well. What are some issues that you saw that crept up that you're like, uh, this might be a problem? Yeah, so I think, um, you know, we talked about it a little bit before where, um, you know, having that one-on-one towards goal and, like, just, like, flubbing it completely, um, it was just not good like you when you have those opportunities especially against the defending champs you need to convert so that was kind of disappointing i feel like um maybe he just got nervous to think that he had that chance (laughs) to score a goal like um but yeah and then you know i think just in general the fact that like we couldn't watch like 25 minutes of the match like (laughs) that was a huge problem because we don't know what's going on we don't know i mean I didn't see anything that really stood out to me outside of that. Um, yeah, I think, what about you? Where, um, where? I, I thought finishing was an issue. I think if Colin puts that shot in or Tumi puts that shot in, you're looking at three to one, and now we're not questioning offensive output. Uh, mm-hmm. But right now, four goals over three uh, three matches is – not really going to get it done in the West. Um, the West, you yeah. need to score some goals if you're going to beat a team like Orange County, if you're going to beat a team like Phoenix, or even like draw against Phoenix, you're probably going to need to score a couple goals. Um, so I think the the lack of finishing was a little bit mm-hmm. concerning. I think if that trend continues after the lockdown, then we can start um, contemplating what, what we need to do up top. Um, I thought... Um, you know, as much as I enjoy Colin Martin as a as a player and as a human, um, I thought he, after watching it back, he had a little bit of a rough match. Um, maybe putting him, he had a gr- pretty good match against Tacoma, and he played a little bit further back. Um, but this one, he was a little bit more for, far uh, further forward, um, mm-hmm. where 
um, Charlie Adams played a little bit further back, and so did Carlos Alvarez. So I think maybe that's not a great position for Colin Martin to be in. Mm-hmm. Um, he, was, he was the lowest rated player on San Diego for this past match. Yeah. Um, I thought the yellow cards were a little bit of an issue as well. Um, mm-hmm. What you don't want is some yellow card accumulation, and all of a sudden now you're without a key player mm-hmm. uh, like a Salzizo, although that was totally a captain's foul get back at guy who took out your goalie. Um, I thought the... Oh, yeah. That was yeah, fun. and I thought the um, the Charlie Adams, no, Eric Avila got a, a yellow. Carlos Alvarez got a yellow. Colin yes. Martin got a yellow. Um, so we just got to be a little bit more careful about not getting a ton yeah. of cards. A few yellows here and there. It's not the, the end of the world. Uh, mm-hmm. But I do think the biggest issue, um, Soccer Cool on Twitter said, opinions on lack of offense. LA should be a chance to open it up, be more aggressive. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about that in the preview. Um, but I, I do think it's a, a question is, hey, we got one goal and it came from our back line, mm-hmm. basically. Jack Metcalf to Grant Stoneman. And that's great, but we need Irvin Para to start hit, hitting his stride and being able to put some goals into the net um, like Francis did the previous match. If you're scoring two to three a match, we're going to be fine. If you're only scoring one, it's going to be hard to win some matches in the West. Yes, especially with Phoenix there. So, well, could be. And, and I was, <laughs> um, let me see where we're at. Ref decisions. Yeah, I mean, you talked about it with the yellows, and I don't know that one. Did that uh, Real Monarchs player, did he get a card for that challenge on the goalie? He got a yellow, and I know I was surprised he didn't get a straight red. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've watched that tackle a few times and it looks like he goes into to tackle and he tries to pull out, like he pulls his cleats back. So he's not studs in. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm the Homer in me says, I rush straight red. That's the keeper, <laughs> yeah. What are you doing? But like, yeah. <laughs> sometimes you have to step back and be like, ah, I mean, by the letter of the law, it's reckless, not excessive force. If that happens on the, you know, in the outfield, with between two outfield players, it's that's a yellow every day. It's not a red. Right. Um, I think if he keeps his foot out and goes in with his cleat, I think that's a straight red. Mm-hmm. Um, but because he tries to avoid the tackle, but his momentum, you know, clearly took him into the keeper. I'm not sure if the roles were reversed. I don't think we'd be happy with a red card. Right. Well, um, and the ref yeah. did help us with that first goal too. Remember in the in the beginning. Like in the beginning of the play, like he hit it oh. and it like he missed it and it went right to the ref and the re- it bounced off the ref and then like went to the other. I forgot who it was, but it was over on the left. And I was like, oh, nice pass. Like it was kind of a sequence. Like it was an error, but it helped. And then we scored. So <laughs> I, I thought the two goal line calls are are going to be the first one. I'm I'm not sure was in. And even if it is, I'm not sure a human being on the planet could determine if that ball was a completely across the line. Yeah. Uh, with the jack that calf clearance, I watched that. I, I watched that like 30 times today. Like rewind, watch it, rewind, watch it, rewind, watch it. And again, it's like it looks so. It depends on how where 
part of the leg in which leg you think he played the ball with. And I did not ask him this. I just said, great goal line clearance. He said, thanks, mate. Um, I think, like, watching it again, it looks like he catches it with his right thigh. And his left foot is behind him. His right foot is in front of the line. He picks it up. But then he sticks his thigh out. I don't know. I don't know if there is, without goal line technology, no human being is making that call. And if you're not sure if it's in or not, you can't call it a goal. Like yeah. If you're not absolutely 100% sure that ball 100% crossed the line, I don't yeah. think there's a way that you can call that a goal. It needs to be clear that it crosses the line completely. Yeah. Um, and I think that... AR... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you're fine. No, I was thinking, uh, I was going to say that that we have to kind of expect that this might happen to us the other way. Like, we might get, yes. if we can score goals, let's hope that we can actually do more shots on target and actually score goals. This could happen to us if the fact that it happened to Real, Real Monarchs. So I'd like to keep that in mind um, with this such short season and, and being that we can barely score goals right now. Um, <laughs> they need to make sure that this doesn't happen by doing more, you know, attacking plays and, and actually scoring goals. So, yeah. Um, um, you feel, you feel bad for real monarchs. Cause I think if that's your team, you are livid. Um, I think when you're that close to net, it's like the the uh, Francis or not the Francis, uh, the Tumi Moshabani almost goal. Like mm -hmm. when you're that f close to the goal, yeah, you need to bury it and leave no doubt. Right, leave no doubt. Like just put it in the back of the net. Now I know that's harder. Just ask Jordan Caruth. And I, I know I made teased him <laughs> a little bit this weekend. Um, you know, Jordan, ah. shout out to Jordan Caruth. I love yes. that guy. So uh, no, no tea, no shade. Um, <laughs> uh, outside of San Diego, everyone says that's a goal, Harry. I, I just, I just don't think that it's clear enough for me to say yes or no. And Harry, you know that I'm a little bit of a homer, but you also know that I'm going to call it like I see it. Um, it's never hot in San Diego. Yeah, you yes. probably have AC, Harry. Let's be real; we don't have AC here. <laughs> Love you, Harry. Um, but I, it's one of those like. If it goes for your team, you're happy. If it goes against your team, you're pissed. And there's yeah. no, there's no way around it. It things in sports are going to happen that way until USL gets to a point where they can institute goal line technology. Um, I'm not. I don't think that that's necessarily something that's going to happen anytime soon. Um, and I think the other issue is if you're choosing between VAR and goal line technology, I would love goal line technology. Like, but we've seen it in the premier league where the ball was clearly behind the goal. Like the goalkeeper is holding it behind the post in the goal and it's still not working. Um, I think some of the frustration is when, when, when people come to the USL, they're expecting a certain standard of soccer with, you know, when they watch every other league, there's VAR, there's goal line technology. Um, I think some of the issues is with, um, the cost. Some of the issues are um, th these teams are not playing um, in stadiums that are theirs. Um, right. Like, for example, El Paso plays in the Padres AAA affiliate. Um, yeah. 
So I'm not sure there's a way to financially have that set up with temporary goal posts and all those shenanigans. Uh, but I do think, um, I don't think that's necessarily far off. I just don't think, um, I just don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. I would love to, because I think it helps, especially goal line technology. Mm -hmm. Whereas you have the buzzer and the watch, it's doable. It's less expensive than VAR. Um, and you would like to see um, that equity put in there because, you know, if Real Monarchs don't make the playoffs because of a point or two, if, you know, San Diego Loyal make the playoffs by a point or two, you can kind of point to these instances where, you know, a few inches here or there and it's clear that it's across the line or it's the back of the net, it's a different game. Um, I, I watched both of them multiple times and I just can't, like the one that bounces down, I don't think crosses the line. The one with Jack Metcalf, it's hard to tell. Um, I mean, I'm glad I'm not a ref. Yeah. And it wasn't the guy out of line. Like he was like kind of far up. Like on the on the first one, yeah, he was out definitely out of position. The second one, you can see the guy kind of peeking. And I just what's hard is you're like 30, 40 uh, yards from feet from the goal. It's in between the post. Jack Metcalf is there blocking some of the ball with his legs. Mm -hmm. It's a, like I said, I don't, I don't envy, envy yes. those. <laughs> um, anything that you notice from San Diego's play as far as how they were set up? Um, no, I mean, I was, I didn't even look at that. I was like so focused on like just the match that was happening. Um, I did like. Like I said, the back line. Um, what formation did they have? Do you remember? I don't know. Uh, it was a, our, our typical 3 5 2. Yeah. Although, one of the things I did notice um, them doing quite frequently is when we saw Joe Greenspan the first matches, he kind of centered the three defensive, uh, uh, the three defenders. All right. Um, and you had uh, this setup where um, you had Greenspan. Stoman and Zizzo right. on his left and right. Mm -hmm. But it looked watching back, it was super interesting because there were times where Stone or Greenspan was in the middle, but mm -hmm. most of the time was Greenspan. And this is why I think Greenspan it had such a great and important role in the match. I think mm -hmm. he completed like 90 and 97 passes or something incredible like that. Mm -hmm. Is Greenspan was in the center or not in the center, he was off to the right a lot. And Stoneman was kind of like that quarterback of the back line, which it, between the two, you would think Greenspan would be like, oh, let's keep. Yeah. But and then they would shift. Mm -hmm. And sometimes uh, it would be Sal, Grant and Joe. Mm -hmm. And then Jack Metcalf would drift back and almost make it a four man back line. Or they would shift the opposite way. Ela would drop back. And now you had. um you know, you would drop back into a five-man back line with Grant Stoneman in the middle. Now, on some set pieces, Greenspan was in the middle being a boss like he normally is. But there was a lot of times where Grant Stoneman was kind of running things from that back line, which is super impressive. He was in League One last year versus Defender of the Year from Pittsburgh and Greenspan. So the fact that the team could put so much faith in, in Stoneman on that back line, especially with three instead of four, um, I thought that was really cool that in possession they kind of flopped and slid over 
Mm-hmm. And there were times where Jack Metcalf came back and it looked like, like a four, four, two. Right. Um, where you had, um, you know, Carlos Alvarez and Charlie Adams would drop back. Carlos Martin would kind of hang forward. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very interesting tactically uh, to look at kind of the evolution between game one to game two to game three, mm-hmm. um, especially uh, Grant Stoneman's uh, evolution as a footballer. Um, yeah. I thought, I mean, if, if man of the match, yeah, I, it's Stoneman. I mean, it's Stoneman yeah. for me. Like there is no question. Um, I think, you know, with the goal and, and just kind of like, you know, like you were saying, just being there as a force in the back line and, you know, I think I was I looked at the the formation that USL put up, and then what you wrote it was like different. I was like, wait a minute, yeah. oh, it's weird, but I liked it. It's cool. I mean, even on Sofa Score, they have it as a four-five-one with Jack Metcalf being a defender. They have people in wrong spots, and uh, I I mean, you definitely had two up top with Irvin and Toomey. Mm-hmm. Uh, Charlie Adams and Carlos Alvarez kind of played a little bit further back, kind of that. Beverly Colin from the last match. Mm-hmm. Um, Colin Martin this time was a little bit further forward. Eric Avila and Jack Metcalf were those kind of wing backs that shoot up to the side, uh, but also cre- create a five man back line. Like I'm falling in love with 3 5 2, by the way. Um, yeah. Just the options that it gives you defensively and offensively uh, versus maybe like a 4 4 3 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was very impressed with um, the evolution of this team tactically and kind of where they're putting players um, and how they're playing them. Cause I think as we get more and more comfortable with figuring the team out, um, mm-hmm. we're seeing a, um, a growth, not only in uh, the coaching with Landon and Nate, um, but also with um with the, the players themselves are kind of fighting their role. Uh, Harry, man of the matches, pro refs. I mean, isn't there always one match every week in USL where pro refs are, um, are the man of the match. Uh, we have to remember that these refs are also like tier two refs. They're working their way up. You'll find that there are some that are really good and some that are not. Um, I've yelled at my fair share. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yell at refs. I don't know why. Don't. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, anyway. but, That's weird. I don't know. But Sofa Score has Grant Stillman on an eight um, yeah. out of 10. Um, John, Jack Mack. What's that? John Kempen with the seven. Yeah. I thought he played pretty well. Yeah. Um, Jack Metcalf, 7.7. Joe Greenspan, 7.3. I thought they're all good. Charlie Adams is over seven, which I thought is fair. Um, I think with those two goal line clearances, like especially the second one, like j- the way John Kempen played that ball, he convinced, I think the referee that it wasn't in, he like right. grabbed it and ran out. Like he wasn't stopping. Everyone else was like, man, he's like, Nope, ball didn't go in. We're still playing. Right. And he right. played to the whistle. And I think that's really smart as well. I really like him as a keeper. Um, yeah. So let's, uh, Los Dos yes. on Sunday. Yes. Um, I'll match. Home match at USD. I think they're playing at USD. I don't know. Yeah, they'll play at USD. It's on a Sunday. Um, yes. Uh, not open to fans. Um, they want to make sure that they're keeping everyone uh, safe. Uh, that both, and this is what I talked about before, both with um, not just the players on the pitch, 
uh, but also all the people who have to work the matches, the staff, mm -hmm. uh, the trainers, everyone who might be closer to the fans. Um, they uh, assured me that the media and everyone will be well taken care of. Uh, but um, I will not be there. Uh, I know that you put in that you might be there. Yeah. Um, but. Um, and this is not to. I'm not. I'm not in a position where I'm like, oh, I don't care. It's a, you know, like I'm just. I've been very safe. Uh, I feel like I've been, you know, distancing myself as much as possible from people, wearing my mask, um, and I feel like I don't have to be on top of people. So if I can, if they make it so I'm able to be there without being near people, then it works for me because I like doing that. I don't mind being. <laughs> Uh, distanced and stuff like that. But yeah, obviously, if I don't feel safe, I, I have the freedom to leave. So that's where I'm at uh, when it comes to being there. And I think seeing a live match will be kind of interesting. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's definitely big enough that you can spread out the media. Mm -hmm. They're nowhere near each other. I think they're limiting field access to photographers only. Uh, yeah. I think they're going to do a great job making sure everyone stays safe. Um, multiple accesses and all that stuff. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, my personal choice is I'm still a little bit uncomfortable. And um, with school quickly approaching, I want to make sure that I am making all the right choices, make sure if I have to go back into a classroom, that I'm not taking unnecessary risk. Um, but um, yeah, no fans allowed. Um, so find a watch party, uh, find a watch stream, uh, I know two balls and a mic did one that you were at. Uh, yes. So uh, find some. I think they're going to do it again. They were talking about doing it. Um, it was, uh, I think there was, uh, I was on that. So it was, uh, I don't know. There was like 18 of us, um, mm. you know, a small group. And, um, you know, Tony and, and them, they were like doing the commentary and it was cool. And I was, you know, able mm -hmm. to give more updates than the, than the, the other feed that yes <laughs> so it was kind of like a you know sideline reporter or whatever i don't know it was kind of cool but yeah it's nice to see all the faces and yeah people that we we know around um, so be involved in the community in a safe way and a little the, the mm. supporters group has said that they're not doing any type of watch party in person they're gonna you know they might do some digital watch parties and such uh, but they're not organizing anything in person either um and which i think is 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 smart uh, watching some of the matches this weekend, it, it made me a little uncomfortable how close fans were to players yeah. um, without any type of protection. Um, now let's talk about Lowe's Dose. Um, a couple of things to point out is, number one, it's going to be a little unpredictable because a lot of the, just like Real, um, Lowe's Dose is an academy type of deal uh, for the big club, and a lot of their big starters are going to uh, be playing um, in Orlando. Um, but a couple things I noticed from watching um, the Phoenix match is there's no quit in that team. Um, there are a bunch of kids out there who are trying to prove that they, they can compete. Um, and if they can give San Diego the first loss, they're going to try as hard as they can. Um, their front three against Phoenix did pretty well. Sebastian Nava, uh, Augustine Williams, uh, Ivan Gutierrez. Uh, Augustine Williams is someone to keep an eye on. Um, I, I think that um, it'll be a little bit more open. Uh, LA 
against Phoenix was willing to run and willing to uh, take the match a little bit to Phoenix at times. Um, I thought they may, may be a little bit unlucky not to get a goal. Uh, they had a, a, a few run of play um, kind of in between in the middle of the first half and then kind of right after the second half, Phoenix kind of took their foot off the gas. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's going to be a tough match because they're, they're going to run and run and run and run and run. Uh, they're going to go hard. Um, but I, I, I just think that um, I think San Diego is going to have enough to knock them off. Uh, but Los Dos um, is not a bad team. Um, it's not going to be someone we want to sleep on. And if we watch what Tacoma did to Sacramento this past weekend, 3-3, they came back from a two-goal deficit to uh, to draw 3-3. Um, I think we need to be a little bit um, – just make sure we're not looking past them. Well, yeah, I think this shortened schedule, you need you can't do that with anyone. You don't have the luxury of being able to say, oh, that's just a crap team and we'll just overlook them. They're just a Norwich or something, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> – Let's look past them. I don't know. Um, I mean, Nor- Norwich beat some teams this year, so that's. I think that's. I mean, we like, know like, that. <laughs> but I think it's a decent example. Like, yeah, if yeah. you don't show up because you think it's a bunch of kids, mm-hmm. you know, they're gonna run. They're gonna run, and they're gonna make yeah. you work. Um, and they made Phoenix work. I know the scoreline was four nil, um, but they made them work. It was um, for a four nil match. I mean, it was over at halftime, but. LA still managed 11 shots. They still had 44% uh, possession, seven shots on target. Um, I mean, not a ton of chances, but they hit the post once. Um, They're going to take shots from inside and outside the box. So they're going to make sure that you aren't um, falling asleep with the ball outside the 18 yard box. Um, I think it's going to be a fun match. Um, I think they'll give. San Diego a, a good a good game. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple kids that are always exciting, and this is kind of what's fun about the two teams is you see com- some of that the next generation of kids when they're you know 17, 18, 19, kind of figuring it out where they're just raw talent, and sometimes they're just gonna, sometimes they surprise you. Orange County did not beat LA last year. Uh, I think it was like a draw and a loss. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Don't sleep on the two teams. Don't sleep on LA. If you want to give Orange County a run for their money, you can't give away points to LA and Las Vegas anymore. Yeah, right. So oh. score prediction. Yes. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say um, we start to click offensively and get some of those balls that maybe went wide or kind of bent around the goal to go in. Um, I'm going to say three, one. Okay. What do you got? Uh, I think I'm going to go with my usual two, one, two, one loyal. Um, I don't know. I guess this is like a trend now. Uh, two, one, just <laughs> two, two, one the whole time and see what happens. Um, no, I did not ask Chris what he predicted for San Diego, Los Angeles, so I'll have to get that from him. But he did pick a draw for Orange County and Phoenix. Yeah, Chris uh, Chris is watching the New Mexico game. I don't know if we mentioned that on the episode, so that's why he's not here. But Yeah, he's uh, doing some pre- – um, he's going to do a radio hit after the game as well. Um, yes. New Mexico, El Paso, it is uh, currently 2-2 in the second – 
a minute of stoppage time. They're going to play six. Um, El Paso, if you watch this one, El Paso uh, got the benefit of some uh, close, maybe offside, maybe not offside. Um, but but um, a 2-2 uh, draw right now. Uh, Harry says 3-2 San Diego over Los Dos. I would, I would take that. Um, and Harry says 3-1 Phoenix over Orange County. Um, I don't think that's a bad shout, um, especially with Anna Voltson not playing. Thank you, Harry. Yeah. Uh, we'll see what happens on Sunday, and we'll see how the table looks after all of these matches. So, Do we hit everything we needed to hit? Yeah, we did. We g- we're going to talk a lot. All right. Um, Next week, DK. Are we going to talk in depth? Yeah, about- so next week. Yeah, next week uh, we're going to bring in DK and Iwo. Um, he is yet another person like Cesar Hernandez who was incredibly gracious with his time and his energy um, when I first started my adventures into doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, very knowledgeable about soccer. Uh, so we'll definitely talk to him about uh, some of the matches. Um, DK is one of the reasons why I watched the usl uh so we'll talk a little bit of usl we'll talk san diego loyal uh we'll talk some land use uh <laughs> we'll talk some stadium stuff uh so we're excited to have him in um he's one of my favorite humans but also uh super smart super engaged in the community yeah. and uh we'll be happy to have him in uh we'll put something out uh as we get closer next week if you have questions specifically about uh the stadium the process Mm-hmm. Uh, what it'll look like, um, what the next steps are. Uh, so we're going to dig into that um, yeah, next D- week with DK and Yeah, uh, DK introduced you to the USL, and DK introduced me to the San Diego soccer scene back mm-hmm. in 2015 with Italian. So, or yeah, he yeah, some other stuff I was working on before that, but yeah, mostly uh, DK is very integral and uh, integral part of the soccer community, and so I'm excited to have him on finally. Yeah, and if you don't know him, you've definitely seen him around. Um, yes. <laughs> first got introduced to him on, on the Kept Faith, and so I'm sure they're going to bring him in to do some TKF United Stadium Talk That Rocks. Uh, just Again, just when you thought you got we're done talking about stadiums and stadiums. Where can we find you on the internet? You can find me at hashtag Marissa spelled out. What about you, Alan? Find me a on the machines and shout out to Thanks Chris for, who could not be yeah, here. Uh, he by Chris Walker. By Chris Walker, who he should be back next week. And uh, thank you to everyone who's watching. And uh, sorry we couldn't get Periscope working. We'll be back hopefully next week. Yeah. Thank you. Bye. Have a great night and a great weekend. Wear your masks. This and every episode is brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network. You can find other podcasts on bgn.fm. The Fairweather Podcast is also sponsored by Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Tired of the same old uniforms and cookie cutter templates from Nike and Adidas? 
Looking for a unique, completely custom kit for your youth club, Sunday league squad, adult, or even pro team? Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Let them help you design your new custom kit today at IcarusFC.com.